Today's scripture reading comes to us from the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, in payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. When this Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he could pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will do also to you, to every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother or sister from the heart. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Flash back with me, if you will, to the last time that somebody cut you off in traffic. What did you do? If you're like me, the list probably goes something like this. First, you slam on the brakes. After all, it's an instinctive reaction in order to keep from running into the culprit that intentionally cut you off to begin with. Second, you lay on the horn for whatever reason it is, even though in my case, the horn sounds more like the classic cartoon roadrunner than anything else. You need to intimidate your offender and call attention to his or her grievous error. Third, you stare out your tinted windows into his tinted windows where you can see absolutely nothing, hoping he can see your glare of dissatisfaction. Fourth, you provide some sort of one-arm salute, whether it's with the whole hand or less than that, just to emphasize how perturbed you are. And finally, you continue on your way while cursing at the other driver because obviously she can hear you through your air conditioning and closed windows. 
and you let her know that she is an idiot and should never have been able to get a driver's license in the first place. Now flash back with me to the last time you were the one who cut somebody else off. What was your reaction then? Mine is totally different from how I am when somebody cuts me off. I think I'm a safe driver, or at least I try to be. And therefore, my reaction to the horn, the only thing that I can hear, is to sheepishly say, again through my closed windows and air conditioning, I'm sorry, I didn't see you there, as I wave kindly and go about my business. I believe the other driver should understand that I made an honest mistake and therefore should offer forgiveness for my transgressions. Life is like this, isn't it? We want to be forgiven when we mess up, but we want to hold grudges when it's somebody else's fault. We see this mindset magnified in the parable of the unforgiving servant in today's scripture lesson. The first servant was deeply in debt to his master. Matthew tells us he owed 10,000 talents. It was a lot of money, about 15 years of wages for a day laborer. In today's terms, where a day laborer makes about $15,000 annually, 10,000 talents would be the equivalent of approximately two and a quarter billion, with a B, dollars. No wonder the slave pleaded with his master to have mercy on him. Even though he said, I will pay you everything, he realized that in reality there was no way to pay everything that he owed. The only options were to be sold along with his family and his possessions to the highest bidder or to be thrown into debtor's prison. So with nothing to lose, the slave pleaded with his master for forgiveness. Likewise, the second slave was also in debt, this time to a fellow slave. We are told that he owed a hundred denarii, or about a hundred days' wages. In our current day setting, that would be about $6,000. It's still a daunting sum, but not an inconceivable one to pay back. Yet just as the first slave did, this man also asked for mercy and patience from the one to which he owed the debt. The slaves in this parable both had committed the same faux pas. They were both in debt by more than they could easily pay back. But like us, when we cut somebody off in traffic, they expected to be forgiven. And like our reaction to someone cutting us off, at least one of them chose the path of unforgiveness and ill will. To really forgive someone is one of the hardest things there is to do. Sue Monk Kidd, the author of the book The Secret Life of Bees, put it, I learned a long time ago that some people would rather die than forgive. It's a strange truth, but forgiveness is a painful and difficult process. It's not something that happens overnight. It's an evolution of the heart. For some reason, we find it desirable to harbor the resentment that, co that is caused by those who have wronged us. I think that secretly we hope it will make us, at least for a moment, feel superior to at least one other person in this world. 
But harboring that resentment will poison our hearts and souls and torture our minds. It will eventually have physical manifestations. Our refusal to offer forgiveness causes stress to our bodies, and sooner or later that stress will lead to illnesses such as obesity, heart disease, Alzheimer's, diabetes, depression, gastrointestinal problems, and even asthma. For all that, our inability to forgive others does nothing to them. The object of our animosity does not taste the poison running through our veins. They do not feel our pain, nor do they contract our self-induced illnesses. While we suffer through the effects of unforgiveness, our victims are living, living unscathed lives, free from any suffering on our part. We know this is not how we are supposed to live. Forgiveness is an important part of life. And we profess to believe that every week as we pray the words that Jesus taught, the words that say, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Peter had heard these words for nearly three years. He knew them as well as we know them today. And he knew the importance of the forgiveness that they professed. And he was showing just how important he thought it was by asking Jesus if one must forgive his brother as many as seven times. After all, rabbinical tradition only required three. Peter probably thought he was showing his merciful and forgiving spirit when he suggested so great a number. So imagine his surprise when Jesus blew this out of the water by saying, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. It was a ridiculous number, one that was impossible to tally. But that was just the point. Divine forgiveness is beyond the realm of comprehension. Therefore, what Jesus was actually saying was, quit counting. Forgiveness isn't something that can be tallied. Loving relationships require it, so forgive as many times as it takes. Jesus then went on to tell Peter and anyone else who was listening that instead of selling his people for a down payment on a debt that could never be paid, God forgave the debt. Moreover, God's people could count on receiving that forgiveness over and over and over again, because all sinned and fell short of God's glory over and over and over again. In effect, Jesus told Peter that there was nothing that his brother could do to him that came anywhere close to what he had done to God. And yet God's love and forgiveness were unending. Since he had been forgiven so much, there was no call for him to deny forgiveness for significant, though infinitely smaller, infractions. Friends, we are like Peter. We repeatedly mess up and miss the mark of God's glory. We plead for mercy and forgiveness each time we do, and because of God's unfathomable and unending love, forgiveness is granted. We deserve to experience eternal death and separation from 
the God who loves each of us unconditionally. Yet he forgave our incredible debt by the unfathomable, unfathomable act of sacrificing his own son as a payment for our transgression. We can never repay this debt. We cannot work for McDonald's wages and expect to pay a billion-dollar sum. Still, we want to limit the amount of forgiveness we give to the one who cuts us off in traffic and the one who stabs us in the back and the one who breaks our hearts. We want to throw someone into debtor's prison for a few thousand dollars. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is inviting us to more than this. His love for us is limitless, but we set limits on it when we perpetuate the poisoning that comes from unforgiveness. Jesus is inviting us to destroy the grudges and the, better re- the bitter resentment in our hearts by forgiving others. To do so, we cannot keep track of how many times another has failed us. And we cannot continue to hold on to IOUs for pennies on the dollar of our own debt. Rather, we need to forgive others as often as we are forgiven. We need to allow Jesus to work in our lives until we are able to reflect his divine love and mercy for us. When we are reflections of Jesus, then our forgiveness may flow easily to others. And when we are able to forgive as often and deeply as we are forgiven, our minds will be freed from the tortured existence that accompanies our poisoned hearts and souls. We will be free to love others, to love ourselves, and to love the God who loves us unconditionally and unequivocally. And then we will be free to live the abundant life that Jesus is inviting us to. Amen and amen.